just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Monday, but keep in mind I'm recording this in the very early morning hours of Monday. I'm talking like midnight, 1230. So nothing's really started to happen during the week yet. I'm basically recapping what was going on on Sunday. And there's a few things out there. Fortunately, I have a number of emails So we'll be able to focus on that, at least in the first half of the program. And since I know a lot of folks like the email part of it, again, I want to encourage you to uh, send in those emails, rationalboomer at gmail.com, questions, comments, whatever you'd like to say. I'd like to hear it, and I will put it on the program. Now, I won't give your last name. I won't even give your first name if you don't want me to, but I won't identify who you are. So there'll be no problem with that. And again, as I've told you many times before, I'm always open to having listeners on the Rational Boomer podcast. I think it's uh, very valuable. We've had great fortune with talking to people who are listeners. They bring some interesting insights and perspectives, and I always like to hear them. So I suspect we'll talk to Ed later this week, and uh, who knows who else. (laughs) But we'll just keep going along as it goes. You know, when I first started the podcast, my initial inclination was, well, I got to have a a co-host, you know, somebody I can bounce off of. And I'll be honest with you, it's much easier for me to do that than to just be the lone guy. And I always thought, who just wants to listen to me fucking rattle on? Well, apparently there are some of you freaks out there that do. So I'm glad of that. And that's why I do it alone a lot of times. The problem with having a co-host is that you can't always count on them being available when you need them. You've got to work out a time schedule where you both can meet. Like with Ed and I, he comes on once or twice a week. We have to coordinate a time to do it. Now, I record this thing every night at about midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. There's no way I'm getting a co-host to come on with me every day. It's just not going to happen. So I'm forced into doing it on my own. And to a certain extent, I like it because I like that freedom. I don't want to have to be locked in on somebody else's schedule or or, um, intentions at that moment. I want to be able to just come on and talk to you folks. So I always see you folks as kind of my co-host, you know. I mean, that's one of the things you do when you talk on the radio. You try to imagine people actually listening to you. I've been on some radio stations when I knew nobody was listening to me, but I was getting a check, so I did what I had to do. But in this case, I know there are people out there listening, and I feel a certain obligation to be there when you expect me to be there. So here I am. We'll see what comes this week with Ed and some of the crazy shit that's bound to happen now that the Republicans have control of the House of Representatives. This is going to be really interesting. I heard a story just before I was recording this podcast. I hadn't heard this, and I don't know all the detail details of it, but I'm not surprised by it at all. Apparently, the Republicans in the House of Representatives uh, is trying to form a committee, kind of a subcommittee, to the Judiciary Committee. Uh, 
Now, this subcommittee would be intended to oversee and have oversight over all federal investigations, which seems kind of interesting given there's all these federal investigations into Republicans. Once again, it's the Republicans trying to game the system, trying to hide information from the people. Now, you may hear that story and be concerned by it, but don't be concerned by it because it will never happen. Even if they formed such a committee and took it to the DOJ, the DOJ would never comply. They're not required to comply. There is supposed to be a separation between Congress, the executive branch, and the DOJ. If this went to court, it would be thrown out immediately. And that shouldn't be surprising because everything the Republicans take to court gets fucking thrown out. But that just gives you an idea what kind of human beings these are. They know they're in trouble. They know these investigations are going to tear them apart. So they're going to try to do whatever they can to hide the information from the general public. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not going to work. It's not going to work. If you hear this story, just fucking laugh at it because it's a joke. Now, it could slow a couple things down here and there, but I don't even think they'll get to the point where they'll be able to form this committee. And if they do, the DOJ isn't going to listen to them, isn't going to do anything about them. It's going to be so far down the road before anybody has to deal with it that these fuckers are already be indicted. So don't worry about that shit. Don't listen to all the crazy shit that people tell you. They want you to get excited. They want you to get upset and scared. <laughs> every time I do this show, or every time I talk to Republicans, I should say that, I think about a great comedian, and his name is Bernie Mac. Of course, Bernie Mac passed away some time ago, but I thought he was hilarious. And he tells a story one time that illustrates how he had his lead line to any stand-up that he ever did. He, he was waiting in line at some comedy club, and somebody in front of him was doing their comedy bit, and they were getting torn up by the crowd. The crowd hated this guy. They were booing him. They were hackling him. They were doing all that shit. So Bernie's watching this, and he's thinking, Wow, this isn't a good crowd. I don't know if I want to do that. But, of course, Bernie was very talented and uh, had a lot of courage. So he went out on stage, and the first thing he said, and I'm probably paraphrasing because I don't know the exact quote, but he's, he said, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. <laughs> and I always love that. And that should always be anyone's attitude before you go into anything. you got to be confident in yourself. I was looking at some comments on some TikTok posts I made. And and again, it's it's the same old shit. Oh, I don't think anything's going to happen. I'll believe it when I see it. Now, those people could be followers. They could love me more than anybody in the world, but those motherfuckers piss me off. I don't tolerate negativity. I don't tolerate fatalism. I don't fa I don't I don't tolerate weakness. And that's what these people are illustrating. It's not going the way I want, so I'm just going to say it's never going to happen. Well, fuck you. Fuck you. If I was in a bar fight, I sure wouldn't want you backing me up because you're not worth a shit. I told these guys, I said, look, if you want to take that attitude, step back, keep your mouth shut because you're not helping the circumstance. Now's the time in this country that we 
the normal people, the people of a right mind, have to be strong. All these years, all these decades, the Democrats have been stepped on and pushed around by people who just talk louder. They aren't smarter, they aren't better, but they talk louder and Democrats would back down. Those days have to fucking stop right now. Right now. Until you face motherfuckers like this, until you face up to a bully, you can never beat them. And they'll run all over you all fucking day. Well, there was a time in my life when I had enough of it. And I said, fuck you. You're not going to do this to me anymore. And I pushed back. And once I pushed back and I saw what the result was, they bailed, they got scared, they curled up in a ball. I thought, well, I have a fucking secret power now. Every one of those motherfuckers, anybody that comes up to me and starts talking shit to me, I'm going to step up, stand up, and talk louder and talk harder into these people's faces. They ain't going to like it. You know, sometimes... Sometimes when I'm talking to these people, I will get people giving me a hard time. Why, why are you setting them off? No, the question isn't why I'm answering some stupid comments. I shouldn't be questioned about that. What should be questioned is, why do these people get to say stupid, racist, misogynistic, or anti-Semitic shit and get away with it? Why aren't you mad at them? You should be happy that somebody is standing up for what is right. But there are people that want to be, oh, we just got to be nice. Well, with some motherfuckers, you can't be nice. With some motherfuckers, the only thing they understand is being pushed down. And a lot of people don't like that I do that. But that's too bad. I feel better by doing it. I feel like I'm accomplishing something. I feel like I'm in a, in a, in a, in a big uh, forest fire. And I'm stomping out little fires here and there. I may not get it put out all the way, but at least I'm helping. Anyway, enough of the ranting. (laughs) Now, this is the time you wished I had a co-host, right? They could have interrupted me. Anyway, we have some emails. We have a number of emails, four emails, I think, which is good. I like this. First one comes from Ray. He says, hi, Mike, compliments of the day to you and your family. I am a fan who feels I should be the first person to listen to your podcast. I get up at night. All I'm thinking of is to get the best insight of what is going on. And you always deliver. Thank you very much. I want to thank you for the light on all the topics. I do enjoy everything. With your podcast, I'm more informed. If you're if you're not informed, then you will be deformed. <laughs> And I want to say thank you, and please keep up the good job. Thanks, Ray. Well, thank you, Ray. And and, and and I think you're absolutely right. I think one of the biggest problems in this country is that people are misinformed. I've talked about how you watch one news source and another news source, and you get different stories. You get different facts. That is one of the biggest problems in this country. Not everybody knows the truth. Not everybody understands what the real story is. All they understand is what's going to hype you up enough to keep consuming whatever bullshit they're trolling out. So with the Rational Boomer podcast, I don't know if I did it intentionally or unintentionally, but you have to understand how I think. Every time I come across a situation, and this this may be a neurosis, I don't know. But it works for me and it doesn't, 
cause me any harm. So this is what I do. Whenever I have a problem that confronts me or uh, an issue that confronts me, first thing I do is I step back and I go, okay, this is a problem. I got to do something, but let's look at all the facts. And once I have all the facts, I can see where the angles are. I'm a firm believer that there is an angle for every situation. No situation is fatal, you know, with some exceptions like a car crash or something like that. But if you've got a problem confronting you, there's always a way to deal with it. Or maybe some of these problems we worry about never end up being real problems and we spend all this time worrying for no fucking reason. So I've rationalized that out in my mind. I don't get hyped up about problems. But when I'm looking at news stories, I hear what they say and I go, that can't be totally true. There's got to be more to the story, something they're missing. And that's why I look deeper into the story. And once I have it all laid out in front of me, I say, okay, this is a problem because of this, but this could happen or that could happen. If you don't consider all the facts, you really don't know the whole story. And I think in this country, we have a big problem with that. And it's not that people are stupid. It's because people are busy and they have short attention spans. They watch the news on CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News for 20 minutes, and they think they know all of what's going on. Unfortunately, they don't. And they don't have the time or they don't make the time to figure it out. Now, therein lies the problem for me. Now, of course, I come out here and I explain things more in depth. But if they won't watch it in depth in the TV news, why would they do it by listening to me? Well, for the life of me, I don't fucking know. But I said, I'm going to do it, at least have that option out there for folks. And maybe there's some smart folks that will listen. Not that I know everything. I'm looking at circumstances and then I'm kind of analyzing it and I see where it could really go. It's like the midterm things. Some people say, well, you, you, you uh, guessed that one right. I didn't guess it right. The facts said exactly what was going to happen. But nobody wanted to look at it because they wanted to look at the fatalistic part of it. Oh, my God, the Republicans are going to get all the power. Democracy's gone. Well, that wasn't true if you looked at all the facts. So when I come here on the Rational Boomer podcast, I want to give people the facts. And then you can decide. I might even give you a suggestion of why I don't think what you're hearing is true, that there are more things to consider. Now, when I started doing the Rational Boomer podcast, I had no idea that anybody would listen, but I didn't really care. I decided I was just going to do what I was going to do and see what the fuck happened. I thought on TikTok, maybe I'll get 10,000 people listening. I'd done some things on Facebook. I got a few people listening there, but I got on TikTok and then it started growing and growing. And and I just want to make this announcement and thank those folks that listened to me on TikTok a few days ago. I surpassed 200,000, as I call them, peers. 200,000 motherfuckers watch my TikToks. That's fucking crazy. On top of that, I've got like 6.6 or 6.7 likes. Now, that's small by some other people's standards, but for me, that is fucking huge. And for the people that uh, discounted what I was trying, trying to do with TikTok and the podcast... Well, they have to take a different look at it, and I'm happy for that. My idea had no basis in fact. It was just, I'm going to do it and see what happens. 
And sometimes in life, that's all it takes. If you have an idea, don't worry about what other people think. Don't worry about failing because you could very well fail. I could have failed. But it didn't really matter because I don't know until I try. So I tried and it worked out. And because of the TikToks, now I'm able to have a podcast, which was my end game. So I'm happy as a fucking clam. So thank you for those 200,000 people that follow me or are my peers on TikTok, because those people there allow me to get more people to come here, and then I get to do exactly what I want the way I want to fucking do it. And then the people listening have a right to say, that's fucking dumb, I don't want to listen, or yeah, that, uh, that resonates with me, I will listen. And again, in the long run, it doesn't matter. I'm doing what I want to do, and instead of it being contrived or fabricated in such a way, I got to get more listeners, I got to get this, I'm just doing what I want to do. I'm trying to prove a point. And I think at this point, I have proven that point. You've proven that point by coming together and listening. And that doesn't mean that uh, Mike's so popular, that's why everybody's listening. That's not the point here. The point here is that there are quite a few people with reasonable, decent minds. And when they see a beacon of some sort that brings us together, they come to it. So this isn't a commentary on what I'm able to do. This is a commentary on that there's more people that have a reasonable, decent mind than most people thought there was. Anyhow, we got another. We got another email. This one comes from Jamie from New Hampshire. Never been to New Hampshire, but I've been to Vermont. You know that just a couple months ago. Beautiful area. I love New England. Anyway. Jamie says, good morning, Mike. It's 6.52 a.m. here on the East Coast. You are right about Diaper Donnie. He is the one who is mentally unstable. He needs to just give up and go away. Trump should be in big trouble for the cards. I'm not sure what he means there. People who brought them untrue cards are just as dumb as him. They are even idiots here in New Hampshire who want him as president again. They're all over the place, Jamie. They're here in Minnesota, too. Signs say impeach Biden, and it pisses me off. Biden is a better president than Trump was, by a long shot. Billy and I went for a nice drive. I assume Billy is her husband. She's she's written before. Jamie has. Um, We went for a nice drive yesterday up to the Cancamagus Highway, which is in the White Mountains. I'm sending you some of the pictures so you can see the beauty here on the northern east coast. Have a great day, Jamie from New Hampshire. She did send me the pictures. It is absolutely beautiful. Love to show them to you, but this is a fucking podcast. So I'll enjoy them. If somebody wants to see them, I'll email them to you. Just email me and I'll send them off to you. Anyhow, thank you, Jamie. You're right. Uh, There is no question that Donald Trump is mentally unstable. And I think you're going to start hearing people more and more talk about this. People from the Trump side making those suggestions. In fact, they've even started. See, Donald Trump is seeing that he's cornered now. He is going to get indicted. And uh, he really can't explain away or bully his way through the crimes he committed. The evidence is right there. He's so fucking stupid, he implicates himself every time he opens his mouth. So what else can you do? claim insanity or claim uh, to be uh, disabled somehow mentally. We know he is. At the very least, he's a narcissist. Uh, 
He's a sociopath, and he's a pathological liar. There is no question about those three things. Whether he will try to try to claim uh, diminished mental capacity, he won't do that because as a narcissist, he can't do that. He will refuse to do anything but make himself look like the hero, the uh, most important, smartest, most powerful guy. But there will be people around him, maybe lawyers, maybe family members that will try to insinuate that in hopes to save him. But I will tell you this. There is nothing that will save Donald Trump. He's too far gone now. There's too much evidence. There's too many investigations. The shit is going to fall and it's not going to go well for Donald Trump. Okay, this next email comes from Gary. He says, again today, I enjoyed your views into the political world and the GQP shit show. I look forward to your show each day as I work from home. I agree with your views and opinions at least 99% at my young age of 73. Well, 99%, Gary, is probably about 20% more than my wife agrees with me. So (laughs) we agree on politics, but there's so many other things when you're married. He goes on to say, I'm a lifelong liberal transplant to central New York from Missouri in the 70s as a psychologist at a community mental health center and then an administrator in the healthcare field for over 40 years. I have been dedicated as a Democrat my whole life, and I'm appalled at the Trump shit show for the last six years. Thank you again for your daily refreshing show of rational truth and sanity. Sincerely, from the oldest boomer, Gary. I don't, is he the oldest boomer? Well, he's maybe the oldest one here. Um, but I appreciate that. And I appreciate that coming from a psychologist and somebody who's been in the healthcare field. You understand some of the issues we're dealing with on that level. And there are a lot of problems in the medical profession, in the insurance. I think the insurance is more of an issue than the medical profession. But I think the insurance business uh, dictates a lot of what the medical profession has to do, and therein lies the problem. We have to worry about whatever health care we're going to get, and we got some fucking an insurance company deciding what that should be. I'm sorry. That makes no fucking sense. Gary, thank you for listening. I appreciate it immensely. And uh, Central New York, beautiful place. Missouri's a nice place, too, if you go in the right places where it's not trump fuck central. But um, thank you, Gary, for your kind email. All right, the next one. Actually, I think we got five emails today, so we're going to be going on this a little bit. Next one comes from Jason. He says, just wanted to email you and say thanks for being rational and calm. I found you on TikTok and I enjoy your posts, but a lot of the creators I follow are just flipping the fuck over the Republicans taking over the House. Yeah, it's not ideal for us left-leaning, but I had to delete the app and turn off their noise. They seem to be coming up with the worst scenarios like they did before the midterms. I'm taking a break from politics, but will continue to listen to your great show because you stay grounded and not flipping out. I am part of the Gen X group and a former Republican who credits Trump for exposing the lie that was my former party. When they embraced him, it was over for me. I do an entertainment podcast of my own and would love to come on your show to tell my story if you ever need a guest. Keep up the great work. Absolutely, Jason. 
First of all, you should tell us what the podcast is so I can promote it. So email me again with the name of the podcast because I'll listen to it. I'd be interested in hearing about your entertainment podcast. And actually, I would welcome you to be a guest on the show. All you have to do is email me and say, Mike, can I be on the show? And I go, fuck yeah. So just do that. And I will tell you, maybe I could be a guest on your podcast. You say, Mike, entertainment, what does that have to do with you? Well, as I've told you on this, uh, on this uh, program before, I spent a number of years in the music business. Back when Prince was hot in the Twin Cities, I represented a lot of acts, some of which were tied to Prince. I have some crazy fucking stories about being in the business at that level in a town that became the mecca for music at the time. It was absolutely crazy. I got some weird-ass stories. And I sometimes think I'll, I'm going to do another podcast just talking about that stuff or write a book or something. I've, I, I, I always say I'm going to do it, but I don't. But there are some amazing stories from that time period. So, Jason, if you want to come on the show, by all means, come on the show. We can even talk some music. You know why we can talk music on the show? Because it's my fucking show. and We'll do whatever we want. <laughs> Anyhow, Jason, email me. Tell me the name of your podcast and then tell me when you want to come on. All right, I think this is the last, no, it's not the last email. It's the second to the last email. Boy, I whined and cried about emails, and you motherfuckers came out in force. Thank you. This one comes from, he identifies himself, I assume it's a him, fellow boomer, Phoenix, Arizona. Mike, I first heard you on TikTok, found out you had a podcast, now I'm hooked. Thank you very much. I've always had a love of listening to the radio. Therefore, I, I, kinda, I find the cadence of your delivery quite engaging, smooth, steady, easy on the ear, factual. Well, those are kind words. Thank you very much. People always say that, that I'm calm or I calm them down. i tell you why I'm calmed. It's something that I had to do when I was very young. When you're a young man, have more testosterone than intellect, it's real easy to lose your shit and get mad and rage and do all that stuff. I learned a valuable lesson when I was young, and I was smart enough to make uh, to, to, to be aware of it. <clears throat> when I would do those things and act, uh, act crazy and yell and scream and do all that stuff, I realized very quickly that when I did that, everything ended up worse than it started out to be. So I said, you know, fuck, maybe I should try something different. So I held myself back. I forced myself not to lose my shit. And guess what? Things worked out better. And then I realized one of the biggest problems in the world, whether it be dealing with personal issues, business issues, whatever it is, most everybody reacts through emotion. And when they use strictly emotion, they just react. And when you just react, that means you're not thinking about what you're doing. And there's an excellent chance it's going to go to shit. So instead of acting emotionally and reacting, stop, steady yourself, and say, okay, here's the fucking deal. And it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. Take a look at the whole situation, see the problem, analyze it, and then figure out what your options are. And then methodically and meticulously, go after the problem. I taught myself that. You know, people will always say, well, I can't do those things because my dad was like that, so I'm like that. 
Well, my dad was like that. And when I found out it was a fucked up way to deal with stuff, I forced myself to do it. Remember this, everything you do now, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you think is all been trained in you. You learn these things and you trained your mind to do that. So if that is true, then clearly you can train your mind to do something different. And I always say, if you do something and it ends up fucked up, maybe try something different. Anyway, he goes on and says, I once heard the political consultant James Carville say that the best way to deal with MAGAfucks is to punch them in the mouth. Rhetorically, of course. Your show delivers one of those punches every time you drop a salvo of (laughs) F-bombs when you're talking about these clowns. I appreciate your work ethic, what you have to say and how you say it. Fellow Boomer, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just got to be strong. You can't be the nice guy all the time if you're up against somebody who is just a bastard. Sometimes you got to push back. Sometimes you just have to be strong. A lot of people don't have the confidence to do it. And I don't know that I have a great amount of confidence. I'm certainly confident in myself. But I learned one other lesson in life that is the most valuable lesson um, if you can truly embrace it. A lot of people say it, but I don't think they truly embrace it. And that is... I don't give a fuck. It's like doing TikToks or the podcast. Somebody says, well, you could piss some people off by the things you say. I said, absolutely. I'm I'm guessing I'm pissing some people off. But I don't care about having everybody like me. I only want to have the people that think like me, that think logically and reasonably like me. The other motherfuckers, I hope they hate me because I just don't give a fuck. All right. We got another one. This one's a long one, and I think this is the last one of the emails. Let me just check here. Jesus Christ. You wrote a fucking tome here, Paige. <laughs> this is this is coming, and I'm fine with it. I'm not giving a shit, Paige. I appreciate everybody's input. So this comes from Paige. She says, just wanted to let Dennis know, Dennis was somebody who wrote an email yesterday, I believe, that I appreciate his research into perhaps some differences in political choices and personalities. And I will give him credit. He did a deep dive and told us a lot of stuff that we didn't know, and it all made some sense. Page says, I have always been curious of this myself, especially as I found myself in 2016 still dating a 50-year-old man who worked in our government in cybersecurity for a segment of the military. I'll never forget weeks before Trump became the RNC nomination, this gentleman and his personality began to change. Whatever selfish and narcissistic traits he had kept to himself began displaying as he went further and further down the QAnon rabbit hole. It's just like I said, these people have always been there. We never discussed such things with these people because it wasn't the topic at hand. These people, these racists, the misogynists, the QAnon fucks, they've always been there, but they've been hiding under a rock. The reason the guy you're dating changed is because Donald Trump came out from under the rocks, started saying the things they like to hear, saying the things that they believed in, and now all of a sudden it was ollie-ollie in free. Everybody could come out from under their rocks and speak like this, because the president was speaking like this. 
So that's why your guy changed. And uh, Paige, sounds like he's a fucking dipshit, so you're good to get rid of him. <laughs> he, she goes on to say, mind you, he was exposed to Q months, even years before most average citizens. This gentleman became the most difficult man to date as Trump became president. At first, it was small things. He began comparing intelligence as he felt he was becoming superior because he had early access to Q, and therefore nothing I said politically could possibly be as intelligent. Not true, of course. He also believed that he was superior in his early choice of Trump, which I strongly disagreed about as as growing up by New York, I always heard stories of Trump, mob, and money laundering. It baffled me how this gentleman not only was becoming a MAGA follower, but how much his personality changed along with it. You know, the fact of the matter is I think a lot of people's personalities changed. I mean, we all have friends and family members we don't talk to anymore and may have talked to for years. But we don't talk to them anymore because of this trump illness that spread across the country. This trump is a pandemic, not unlike COVID. It's just that it makes people fucking gullible and stupid. <clears throat> he, be- he, became, uh, he began becoming more boisterous and arrogant and angry. He began putting himself and Trump on pedestals. One day it dawned on me most of his excuses and answers centered around one thing. He felt he was a victim. He felt in his prior divorce settlement that he had to pay too much. He felt his ex-wife had an advantage with a female lawyer. He felt the court system was rigged by women and for women. I began seeing he was expressing without words that Trump was his hero in a suit. Trump was someone who was going to fix the wrongs to what he perceived was happening to middle-aged white males like himself. Now, during the same time period, he stopped being a gentleman. He began expecting and demanding more, not just in the relationship. He began demanding more for his own position at work. You see, these people see themselves as the beaten down, the downtrodden. And they saw Donald Trump as their superhero, that he was going to stand up for them and save them and get them what they deserve. What this guy is displaying is narcissism. I always hear people say that narcissism is a rare, rare uh, situation. Not as far as I'm concerned. I run into him every fucking day. He knew during the Trump administration it was difficult to be fired, especially in his own department, as he felt he was a victim there, too, as his ex-wife once worked in the same department. After Trump came into office, he began abusing his work schedule. He began to do the bare minimum work, learning about Q on the job. He, in turn, felt entitled to use the same working hours and become a digital soldier on personal devices. I have a good head on my shoulders, extremely kind and understanding people. I would give my last dollar, but despite my best efforts, I needed to walk away from this relationship. Yeah, Paige, you think? (laughs) I'm glad you did. It seems he was outsmarting everyone but me. But then again, I have endured an enormous amount of hardships in my life, many more than him, as others will tell you. But I'm I'm a grateful person, and this... That choosing gratitude is another personality trait that divides our citizens in politics today, too. Of course, it is not simple or easy, but we have a choice with hard times. We can choose to be resilient or we can choose to be a victim. 
And frankly, becoming a victim is commonplace with narcissists because inevitably narcissists will get cornered. Their bullying won't work out anymore. Somebody will smack them on the snout and then they become a victim. I mean, you, you heard it when I was talking to um, the Tromplifox on the podcast. They walked in there, think they were smarter than anybody. But they make one mistake that most people make. But they do it to a greater extent. The one thing people have to understand is the most important thing you can do in your life is be able to recognize and accept those times you are wrong. Now, Trump Lefux, the narcissist, they won't do that. Instead of admitting they're wrong and not going down the wrong path or over a cliff, they will double down and keep pushing it because they could not possibly be wrong. And they will always go down in flames when they do that. If you can be reasonable, and you know, fuck, I'm wrong all the time. All the time. And then what you do is you say, okay, that was wrong. That was a learning experience. I'm going to step back and I'm going to come at this from a different angle. But they can't do that. And this guy felt empowered by Donald Trump. And the only thing he was going to do is spiral, crash, and burn. She goes on to say, my gut knew to the end the relationship when presented with the same set of facts during the presidency. We could not see or feel the same on a single subject, including Flynn, Bannon, Stone, or Trump. It also became apparent by this point he had made a choice. He chose an alternative reality about these men, about Pelosi and others. He received reinforcements of his beliefs of them all day online. It's like it fed his ego, and it absolutely did. In a simplified way to say I believe the victim mentality was an Achilles heel going into the Trump's presidency, and it came with the height of social media. I believe disinformation was pouring into this gentleman's social media in a form of psychological warfare and preying on him and those like him with jealousy tendencies and recent life-changing events. Much like we know, Cambridge Analytics use Facebook to help find and form MEGA. Tell Dennis I appreciate his thought. You just did. And research on the matter, too. From your number one fan, thanks, Mike. She was saying, thanks, Mike. Her name is Paige. And then she has a P.S. P.S. After today in Brazil, meaning yesterday, I believe it won't be much longer for indictments as Garland and Smith will have all the world watching now. There's little doubt Brazil was orchestrated in the ear of others by same offenders who orchestrated January 6th. And there is little doubt right-wing digital soldiers on social media aided in Brazil, ensuring the anger and victim uproar remains ongoing, just like today here in the U.S. and in our GOP. Uh, For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, um, there was an attempted coup in Brazil, and we'll talk about this right after we get back from the break. And I wouldn't normally talk about something that's outside the country, but it's so reminiscent of January 6th, and it's also maybe a precursor to what could happen in this country again. So that's why it's important. Paige, thank you very much for your lengthy email. Every word of it was valuable. I'm glad I got a chance to hear it. And I'm glad that the folks listening got a chance to hear it. And I'm glad you got away from that Trump-a-fuck motherfucker. 
You seem like a very nice, intelligent, compassionate lady. You got no business spending two seconds with a dumb fuck like that. All right, we will take a quick break and we will be right back. All right, we're going to talk about some serious political problems in Brazil, which is totally out of character for what we do here on the Rational Boomer podcast. But I think it's important, just as Paige said in her email, what's going on down there is very similar to what happened on January 6th and could be a premonition of what could happen here again. I'll be honest with you. This country cannot handle another January 6th insurrection. We got very lucky that these people were stupid and failed in their attempt to uh, mount a coup over our government. We may not be so lucky next time, so we have to be very careful and learn from other people's lessons. See if this sounds familiar to you. Supporters of former Brazilian President Bolsonaro, who refused to accept his election defeat, stormed Congress, the Supreme Court, and the presidential palace in the Capitol, uh, on the Capitol on Sunday, a week after the inauguration of leftist rival President Luis Inacio Lula da Silva. Sound familiar? Which you also need to know about Bolsonaro. He's Donald Trump's buddy, and he's a hero of the Trump lefucks in this country. So we know who these Trump lefucks are. They're all about coups. They're all about insurrections, regardless of what they say about January 6th. It fucking happened. There's video of it. There were people injured. There were people killed. There were weapons. There was violence committed. We got people whining about Ashley Babbitt getting shot at the Capitol. And all the Republicans want us to believe she was innocent and the cop that shot her was crazy. The cop did exactly what his job required him to do. This woman was breaking in to the Capitol. All the while, the crowd was screaming, kill Mike Pence and kill Nancy Pelosi. If there was ever a better reason for shooting somebody, I don't know what it would be. You can't make Ashley Babbitt a martyr. She is nothing more than a fucking terrorist, and she ended up the way she deserved to end up. That may sound cold and heartless to me, but if you're trying to overtake my country, if you're trying to hurt innocent people, well, then you have to pay the price. You have to take the risk that you might die. She took that risk and she fucking failed. Now, thousands of demonstrators bypassed security barricades, climbed on roofs, smashed windows, and invaded all three buildings, which were believed to be largely vacant, and sit on Brasilia's vast three-power square. Now, some of them called for a military invention, intervention to either restore the far-right Bolsonaro to power or oust Lula from the presidency. In a news conference from San Paulo State, Lula said Bolsonaro had encouraged the uprising by those he termed fascist fanatics. I'm sure he saw what Donald Trump did and he figured, well, fuck, it didn't work for him, but maybe I can do it better. And he read a freshly signed decree for the federal government to take control of security in the federal district. There is no precedent for what they did, and these people need to be punished, Lula said. Without question, that needs to be done. And the people in this country 
need to be punished as well. Now, TV channel Globo News showed protesters wearing the green and yellow colors of the national flag that also have come to symbolize the nation's conservative movement movement, and were adopted by Bolsonaro's supporters. Interesting. All these people were wearing green and yellow, the colors of the flag, to prove they were patriots. Again, sound familiar? The one of the things that disgusts me most about the insurrection on January 6th and Trump LaFox in general, anytime I see an American flag or somebody claiming to be a patriot, I immediately go to Trump LaFox. I should not have that feeling about my flag. I should not have that feeling uh, about the word patriot. But we do. They've destroyed that for us. And for that alone, they should be punished. The former president was repeatedly sparred with the Supreme Court justices, and the room where they convened was trashed by the rioters. They sprayed fire hoses inside Congress uh, and ransacked offices at the presidential palace. Windows were broken in all of the buildings. This was a shit show, and it wasn't all that different from January 6th. And you can bet our own homegrown patriots were watching this shit and learning and taking notes because you know in their minds they'd like to do it again. Now, in my mind, I don't think they will take that risk because they will be pushed back and knocked down so fucking quickly now that Joe Biden's in office and he controls the military, he controls the National Guard. They won't dare do it. Because they don't have the system game like they did when Donald Trump was in office. They don't have Donald Trump to allow them to get away with anything they wanted. Joe Biden will be a different story. And if it takes putting a couple thousand people down to save the Capitol, it will happen. And I got to be honest with you. This is a terrible thing to say, but this is how my mind works. And when I've said... um, when I've said you got to punch back at bullies. Had there been a National Guard on January 6th and they were attacking the Capitol, had the National Guard taken their guns and taken out the first five rows of those people coming in, you would have seen motherfuckers running and they would never do it again. It's sad to say that, that you would have to pit violence against violence, but sometimes these people don't understand anything else. I don't wish that to happen, but I will guarantee you if we see something like January 6th happen again, I believe that's what should be done. These are terrorists. They are coming for our country. And if you do that in this country, you take the risk of dying just like Ashley Babbitt did. And if several of them had to die for this ridiculous thoughts in their minds, well, then maybe the others would think twice. I'm not espousing war. I'm not espousing violence. But at some point, you can't, you can only take so much. I mean, put it this way. If I'm in my house, I'm not going to get in a fight. I don't own a gun. But if somebody breaks in my house, threatens to hurt me and my family, In any way I can, my first goal would be to kill that person because I can't trust that they aren't going to hurt my family. That's not only my responsibility, that would be my gut reaction. And sometimes I think 
if these people get out of hand again and they start trying to blow shit up or attack things, maybe that's what has to be done. I hope not. I hope they're smarter than that. But I've seen no evidence that suggests they have any fucking brains at all. Now, Bolsonaro, who flew to Florida ahead of Lula's inauguration, has not commented on Sunday's events. This is the guy, Donald Trump's buddy, this is the guy who's arguing that he should be back in office because there was election fraud or whatever the fuck it is. Ironic that Bolsonaro would be in Florida. I wonder if he's meeting up with Donald Trump. Police fired tear gas in their efforts to recover the buildings and were shown on television in the late afternoon marching protesters down a ramp from the presidential palace with their hands secured behind their backs. By early evening, control of the buildings had been reestablished. Justice Minister Flavio Dino said in a press conference that roughly 200 people had been arrested and officers were firing more tear gas to drive lingering protesters from the area. But with the damage already done, many in Brazil were questioning how the police had ignored abundant warnings, were unprepared, or were somehow complicit. I don't know if they were complicit. I know the Trumplicans like to suggest that the police officers, the Capitol Police officers, were complicit somehow. They opened the gates and just let them in. Here's what we know about those police officers. Some of those police officers were sympathetic to Donald Trump and these fucked up patriots. You can't account for that. But most of these cops did what they could to protect the Capitol and the people in it. We saw that. We know that for a fact. But they will suggest this excuse to say, well, we obviously were doing the right thing because the police said we could. Fuck you. so tired of these people. You just want to, I just want to smack them. Now, Lula said at his news conference that there was incompetence or bad faith on the part of the police and that they had been likewise complacent when Bolsonaro supporters rioted in the Capitol weeks ago. He promised those officers would be punished and expelled from the Corps. Or did Bolsonaro and his people have something to do with it? You have to wonder. Now, of course, this incident, the reason it's so important to we in America, it kind of recalled January 6, 2021, the assault on the Capitol. Political analysts have warned for months that a similar storming was a possibility in Brazil, given the Bolsonaro has sown doubt about the reliability of the nation's electronic voting system without any evidence. Again, sounds familiar? The results were recognized as legitimate by politicians from across the spectrum, including some Bolsonaro allies, as well as a dozen or more foreign governments. This sounds all too similar. Everything that happened in Brazil happened here. Now, thankfully, they weren't successful in Brazil, and thankfully, they weren't successful here. But I think I heard... um, Somebody say this once, and again, I'm probably paraphrasing. I don't have the exact quote. But they say any failed coup is just a dress rehearsal for a successful coup. And that suggests that they do this and they see what they did wrong and they adjust and they come back and they don't make those mistakes again, giving them more opportunity for being successful in their coup attempt. This is something we have to be worried about in this country. And Paige made a good point. 
when you think about what happened in Brazil, we know what happened on January 6th, and we know that shit is still going on in this country. That has to put some pressure on the DOJ, Jack Smith and Merrick Garland, to actually do something to quell this shit before it blows out of control. It's got to be putting pressure on them, and let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that that is the fucking case. All right. After earlier appearing to back away from Representative Kevin McCarthy's bid to become Speaker of the House, Donald Trump is now, of course, taking credit Saturday for the California Republicans' hard-fought victory. He was backing away from Kevin McCarthy because he thought he was going to lose, and Donald Trump can't align himself up with losers in spite of the fact that's all he fucking did in the midterms, and he looked foolish, and he looked uh, he looked weak and powerless. So he was supporting Kevin McCarthy. When it looked like he was going to lose, he backed away. And then when he finally won, he says, I did a great service to this country. Fuck you. Trump recently said, let's see what happens. He was hedging his bets. As McCarthy lost vote after humiliating vote, he took credit for greatly helping McCarthy attain the position of Speaker of the House. Trump preened on Truth Social. Thank you. I did the country a big favor. No, you didn't, Donald. You have been the bane of this country for six years. Anything that's bad in this country can go directly back to you. The divisiveness, the violence, the coup, all of this stuff. It all goes back to Donald Trump. And this is why... The DOJ, now that everything's behind us, I mean, let's look at it. The midterms are behind us. The holidays are behind us. We have a Speaker of the House. Starting today, the House of Representatives, under a slim majority with the Republican Party, and the Senate with the Democratic uh, majority, is going to start. This is a turning point in this country. The Republicans in the House of Representatives will fuck around till they find out. For whatever reason, they don't understand their craziness, their in stupid investigations, their trial after trial that they continually lose was part and parcel to the reason they lost the midterms. But somehow they don't grasp that. They do not fucking grasp it. So they're going to do it. They won't accomplish much. And you will see some Republicans in the House of Representatives side with the Democrats in hopes of getting something, anything fucking done. Because if they don't get anything done, they're going to take the heat in 2024. They won't get a president, a Republican president, elected. Hell, fucking half the senators and the members of the House won't get elected either. Now, I just want to mention one thing. There's a Republican senator... Ben Sass of Nebraska. He resigned today or yesterday. I think he resigned, and we knew he was going to do this. He was going to get a job at a at a university where he'd be president and have a much calmer job. Now you might remember Ben Sass. He is a Republican. He is a conservative, <clears throat> but he did fight against Donald Trump to a certain extent. So he was getting a lot of pressure from his Republican buddies. And apparently he was just fucking fed up and said, screw it. I don't even want to be part of this. And I don't blame him. 
But it's interesting. Where does that put us in the Senate right now? Realistically, it puts the Democrats in control of the Senate, which they were anyway, 51 to 49. But now it's 51 to 48. Now, that won't last forever. As I understand it, the governor of the state can appoint a new senator. And who that will be, we don't know. But the uh, the new governor of Nebraska is a guy by the name of Pillen, I think, P-I-L-L-E-N. And he is a Republican. So he most certainly will appoint a Republican for the Senate. But for the moment, we have a two-seat advantage in the Senate. I don't know if they can capitalize on that or not, but that's just fun to know. Now, Donald Trump continued to scream about fake news. He was very gracious in reporting his crucial help. He posted stories from Fox News, Rupert Murdoch's New York Post, and far-right media noting that McCarthy thanked Trump for his support after finally pulling off a win late Friday following a record 15 votes. That's the other thing you got to talk about. Kevin McCarthy has most of his problems because of Donald Trump. He stood by Donald Trump while Donald Trump was in office. After the January 6th insurrection, he spoke out against Donald Trump, which apparently pissed off Donald Trump. So what does he do? He flies down to Mar-a-Lago, kisses Donald Trump's ass, and now they're buddies again, and he reinvigorated Donald Trump. What the Republicans should have done at that point, after having loss after loss after loss, what they should have done is to let Donald Trump just fade off into the sunset and be glad to be rid of him. But that's not what Kevin McCarthy did. Kevin McCarthy's not a smart man. He's really not a smart man. He's fucked himself every way he's come. He made mistakes as the minority leader. It took him 15 ballots to be elected to the uh, Speaker of the House role. And in the process, he gave away every power he has, everything. He's bent to the MAGA fucks, which is only probably less than half of the Republican contingent in the House of Representatives. He sold his soul to them. He gave in on this motion to vacate thing. And I'll just remind you what that is. A motion to vacate is something that Nancy Pelosi didn't have. I don't know if she got rid of it or not. And actually, it's a smart thing because it could cause an upheaval in the House of Representatives. And we got enough of that all fucking ready. But basically, they were going to do this motion to vacate If five members of the House said, we need a no-confidence vote on Kevin McCarthy. And if they voted in the majority that uh, there was no confidence in Kevin McCarthy, he's out the fucking door. Well, that wasn't good enough for MAGA. They convinced him that they would give him votes, which they never did. Not the six, anyway, that held out. They convinced him that they needed to bring it down to one person. So one crazy fuck, all he has to say is, I don't like what Kevin McCarthy's doing. So we're going to have a vote, a no-confidence vote. And if Kevin McCarthy loses, he's out the door. So the fact of the matter is, 
He won't make it the year. They will work him over so much. But in spite of all that, after this is all said and done, he's prancing around, Kevin McCarthy is, like he's the uh, conquering hero. Dude, you barely fucking made it. You had to jerry-rig the last election just to get in. And in the process, you gave away every fucking power. What does he do when he gets in the halls of the Capitol? He fucking thanks Donald Trump. Dude, you finally got what you wanted. He's been nothing but trouble for you. Why don't you let it fucking go? You can't because you're not the smartest guy in the world. In fact, I read an article about him when he was young and in school. Apparently, he was a funny guy. He had some friends and stuff, but he was not the smartest guy. Not by a long shot. He certainly wasn't picked most likely to succeed. But it just goes to show you, if you want to go to Washington, D.C. and get a position of power, all you got to be able to do is bullshit really well. So McCarthy says, especially thank President Donald Trump. He posted a video of it and responded, thank you, Kevin. It was my great honor. Fuck you. As recently as Tuesday, Trump appeared to let McCarthy twist in the wind after the lawmaker had lost three votes in the House to become the Speaker. Asked on NBC News if he would continue to support the Republican lawmaker, Trump vaguely responded, well, let's see what happens. Donald Trump is a weak, flip-floppy, wishy-washy piece of shit. Trump added, I've got everybody calling me wanting my support, but let's see what happens. And we'll go, I got everybody calling wanting my support. That's all I can say, but we'll see what happens. We'll see how it works out. McCarthy later that day claimed Trump had reiterated his support. Wouldn't surprise me that Donald Trump is an absolute fucking liar. So, so of course, um, McCarthy becomes the... Speaker of the House, but it's really a a hollow win because he is without question the weakest Speaker of the House in the history of the country. He has no power. MAGA pretty much pulls the strings and he's the fucking puppet. And it's not going to go well because at least half of the Republican Party in the House want to be as far away from it as they fucking can. So it's going to be a mess. The chaos we saw in these votes to get a Speaker of the House are going to continue. In fact, they'll probably get worse for anything they try to do. The Republicans will be seen as the joke they are, and it's not going to bode well for them in 2024. Let's talk about yet another joke. And this guy epitomizes the Republican Party. I'm, I'm of course, talking about Republican George Santos. Believe it or not, he became a fully-fledged member of the 118th Congress early Saturday morning, sworn in to represent a part of New York City and Long Island for presumably a two-year term. Don't think that will happen. So far, Santos has resisted calls to step down from even Republicans amid revelations of his background, which he appears to made up everything. His fellow Republicans have also shown little appetite for pressuring him to resign. (laughs) They got a slim margin. They don't want to make it any easier for the Democrats. And they are willing to stand by George Santos in spite of the fact he is a complete fraud. He is a criminal. It's ironic that Brazil is the one that's after him, after this whole Bolsonaro thing. 
The list of things he seems to have made up is staggering, including apparent falsehoods about his religious affiliation, educational background, ancestry, even his mother's death. But whether he could face charges is still an open question. Now, Santos is facing investigations on the federal and local level. Uh, Authorities in Nassau County, New York, have pledged to prosecute any wrongdoing, while federal prosecutors have said they are examining his finances. And his finances are up for question. Guy seemingly having no money, then all of a sudden donates $700,000 to his campaign. How did that happen? Well, there's some thought that it came from an oligarch in Russia who apparently is a relative. Now, I don't know if that's true, but he got the money from somebody. He's not smart enough to earn a million dollars on his fucking own. Now, Santos admitted to overstating and embellishing. No, you made everything up. The New York Times said its reporters could not substantiate several basic details about him, such as that he worked for Goldman Sachs. He's now admitted that he didn't. He worked for a company that worked in conjunction with Goldman Sachs. Yeah, let's let's check that out, too. He said he operated an annual animal rescue charity called Friends of Pets United. The Times report also cast doubt on a source of his income and wealth, finding scant evidence that his supposed family business even fucking exist. Now, questions also linger over how he financed his successful campaign. Santos beat out Democrat Robert Zimmerman by around eight points in November, becoming the first openly gay freshman Republican in the House. He said, I'm not a criminal. Well, so did uh, Richard Nixon, and he was wrong. He went on to say, this controversy will not deter me from having a good legislative success. I will be affected. I will be good. Uh, I don't think so. Because, you see, when they were voting on on uh, Kevin McCarthy, seemed to me you were sitting all alone. Nobody would even come close to you. Uh, there's a caveat to that. There's one person that cozied up to him, and that was Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, if I was going to have a friend in the House of Representatives, it wouldn't be that bitch. That's not going to spell good news for Santos down the road. For their part, Santos' new Republican colleagues do not appear to have given him the warmest of welcomes, as I said, after being mobbed by journalists as soon as he arrived at Capitol Hill. Santos was later pictured sitting alone during House Republicans' protracted battle to elect a leader. However, as the week wore on, he was spotted chatting amicably with another controversial figure, as I said, Marjorie Taylor Greene. But that's it. Nobody else wanted anything to do with that motherfucker because he is a pariah, even amongst Republicans. All right, this last story. This is about Marjorie Taylor Greene. And again, the stupidity just befuddles me. Fox News host Howard Kurtz confronted Congressman Marjorie Taylor Greene over her promotion of a bizarre and horrific conspiracy theories over the years. Now, if you watch this interview, Kurtz interviewed Greene on Sunday after she function, 
She functioned as one of Kevin McCarthy's most vocal supporters throughout the chaos before he finally got voted in as House Speaker. At one point, Kurtz switched topics to talk about how Green was stripped of her committee assignments years ago over her violent rhetoric, conspiratorial beliefs, and other repugnant views she expressed throughout her personal history. Now, this is what Kurtz says. You were stripped of these committees. That's raw politics. No. That's accountability, Kurtz. But in fairness, but then Kurt goes, Kurtz goes on and says, but in fairness, didn't you also say around that period that you had been a follower of QAnon conspiracy theories and you had rethought this and now you're no longer influenced by the group? <laughs> you would think a sitting member of Congress would have a good answer for that, wouldn't you? This is what she said. Well, like a lot of people today, I had easily gotten sucked into some things I'd seen on the Internet. But that was dealt with quickly early on. I never campaigned on those things. That was not something I believed in. That's not what I ran for Congress on. So those are so far in the past. Yeah, I fucked up big time. My source was the Internet. I didn't look into it any deeper than just the fucking conspiracy theory websites. And then I realized, oh, that's wrong. No, you didn't. You realized it wasn't a winner in terms of the votes. So you backed off of it. Now, Kurtz, of course, declined to press screen further on her belief in the internet conspiracy theories. See, that's the thing. That's the thing that bothers me about the media. You've got this woman cornered. If I'm interviewing her, I'm saying, you're telling me that as a sitting member of Congress, you believed whatever you saw on the Internet and you got sucked into that? You should be better than Joe Sixpack sitting down in Missouri at his fucking kitchen table. You're a representative of the United States, of the state of Georgia. You should know better than that. Now, when Green was voted into Congress, there was a great deal of scrutiny at the time over adherence to the online cult, which claimed that former President Donald Trump was attempting to expose a globalist cabal of devil-worshipping child sex abusers who were secretly controlling America. Now, the interesting thing about that is when I was on Facebook, this was long before I was on TikTok or doing the podcast. I was tearing into Donald Trump pretty good on Facebook. And uh, I was creating a little bit of a hubbub. And then these couple came along and they start putting out these um, little quotes from QAnon. Don't worry, we'll take you with us when we go. What the fuck do you mean by that? You know, and they use the term, where we go one, we go all. That all QAnon bullshit. And I didn't know really what it was, and it got to be just weird and creepy, so I ended up blocking them. And at that point, I'd never heard of QAnon or what it was. I was really confused by what these people were spewing. But this was sometime back, like 2016, 2017. And uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, being a fucking idiot, fell right into it and believed everything. Not because she even really believed it, but it supported her agenda. So she jumped on it. That's what these patriots do. They will hear the craziest shit, the stupidest shit, and they'll say, yeah, that works for me. Let's just push that through. 
I don't care if it's real or it's true. Let's just push it because it works in my favor. Now, Green is also was also under fire back then for pushing conspiratorial claims about 9-11 and mass shootings, lashing out at a school shooting survivor turned gun control activist, her anti-Semitic Jewish space lasers. And, of course, she demanded Nancy Pelosi to be executed. For the life of me, I do not understand why she, why she is still in Congress. Well, I know why she's still in Congress, because Kevin McCarthy didn't make her accountable. But then we have to go a step farther. She was up for election in 2022, and for some ungodly known reason, the people in her district in Georgia— now, remember, I love the state of Georgia. How in the fuck could they possibly reelect Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert in Colorado? If it isn't for their conspiratorial bullshit, why not for their stupidity? Do you like being embarrassed? Do you like being made a fool of so you vote these people in? For Christ's sake, I, I, I can't for the life of me understand how some people think or don't think at all. Because clearly, that's what's going on here. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen. Thank you for the emails and keep them coming. Rationalboomer at gmail.com. If you want to just send me an email and say, Mike, you suck, that's fine. I'll address that. It isn't the first time somebody said that to me, <laughs> and it won't hurt my feelings. But if you've got questions or comments or whatever, by all means, send me the emails, rationalboomer at gmail.com. I hope you have a great day. We're starting a new week, and I have a feeling things are going to get a little crazy. A little crazy this week, or at least start to get crazy. So you have a good day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.